Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 3, Episode 15 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. This is the second part of my conversation with Suzanne Tarrant. Suzanne is a consultant clinical psychologist and head of the Staff Psychological Wellbeing Service for the Howell Thar University Health Board. In the first episode, we got to know a bit about Suzanne's background and also explored the development of the Staff Psychological Wellbeing Service and the incorporation of ACT into the strategic approach. In this episode, we focus on the Green Health Agenda, firstly on Suzanne's work with the University Health Board, including the development of the strategy and the creation of a green network, and we then move on to Suzanne's work with Reconnect in Nature. Their work is awesome, and it's a conversation that I found really thought-provoking and inspiring, so I hope you enjoy it too. Suzanne also provides us with a brilliant takeaway to help us all reflect on our connection with nature, and also what we can give back. After all, humans did evolve in nature. PeopleSoup is a community of people who are interested in behavioural science at work and how we can make it accessible, fun and useful for ourselves and each other. At work, behavioural science has the capacity to enhance our well-being, help us be the person we want to be more often, and provide us with perspectives to enable cooperation, collaboration and innovation. It was psychologist Abraham Maslow who said, a first-rate soup is more creative than a second-rate painting. And that was the inspiration for this podcast. More than ever, the world of work is a heady mix of people, behaviour, events and challenges. When the blend is right, it can be first-rate. Behavioural science and psychology has a lot to offer in terms of recipes, ingredients, seasoning, spices and utensils. So welcome to People Soup. In news, we had a great response to part one with Suzanne. People particularly loved the takeaway on taking a biophilic approach to breaks, even the micro-breaks. My other top news is that we've won an award. Yes, People Soup has won an award. Chris Winson, who is the founder, curator, energy source and innovator behind 365 Days of Compassion, gave the podcast award jointly to People Soup and Ask the Therapist. I'll read out the text from the award from Chris. And so, on to the winners, and it's been wonderful to see both these grow from episode one to where they are now. Firstly, Ask the Therapist with Sarah Rees. This is a podcast series within which she interviews a variety of people, from professional therapists to those who have been sat in the therapy chair. Well-structured interviews, really interesting guests, and open, honest discussion. Chris then goes on to talk about People Soup. He says, Ross McIntosh's brilliant podcast series, just brilliant. Ross takes principles from ACT with a good healthy dose of compassion and shares how they can help in daily life, often using examples and singing from his own life. Alongside those short episodes are longer ones with guests sharing their expertise. Chris, I'm humbled and thrilled to be in such great company. It means the world to me and I'm so proud of this. Thank you. P-Supers, if you do enjoy the podcast, I'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and review it, whatever platform you're on. It helps us reach more people with stuff that could be useful. For now, get a brew on and have a listen to part two of my conversation with Suzanne Tarrant. First of all, what's, what's the relationship with your NHS role and the Green Health Agenda? I think there's something emerging there. Yes, I guess this part of, of my NHS role, and, and you rightly say it's on top of my day job, developed about a year ago out of my 
interest in nature connection and and also my interest in staff well-being and the culture in the NHS around taking breaks mm. and the fact that healthcare professionals are they really struggle with taking breaks because of their commitment to service delivery and patient care it's a big issue and one that we've been tackling for some time and as part of looking at that culture around taking breaks I was very aware that uh, for example some staff might not have access to a staff room so we started thinking about how to get people outside and and built in with my mm work outside of the NHS on Nature Connection, I started getting very interested in, I guess, what comes under the, the heading of, of green health. And, and that's just taken off in the last 12 months. And there's, there's quite a lot going on. Mm, this interest in green health, when did this start for you? Has there always been an interest in nature and that connection? You talked about living by the sea as being an important thing for you. Yes, I think that strand of connection with nature has been there throughout my life. Mm. I grew up with a lot of outdoor time, um, exploring the bush, climbing trees, making dens, being on the beach, being in the sea. Mm. And I've always retreated to the sea when I felt in need of solace. Uh, so being away from the sea is really difficult for me. So it's always been there in the background. But when I started running, which was only about six years ago, I, I actually started road running and a friend of mine was running in the woods. And I thought to myself, well, running's really hard anyway. Why would you want to make it harder for yourself and have to contend with uneven surfaces and mud and obstacles? I thought, I'm, I'm just going to stick on the road. But it wasn't long before I was following her into the woods. And as my running fitness improved, my love of trail running developed. And being in Pembrokeshire as well, there are so many beautiful places to explore. We have 186 miles of coast path. We have woodlands, we have hills. It's just really stunning. So the more time I was spending outside, the deeper I was connecting with nature and the more important it was becoming for my own health and well-being, for my own uh, mental health particularly. Mm. So I was starting to draw some of that into my thinking about staff well-being and how the NHS is run, how we how we are at work and, and where we are at work and how we do things at work. So the two things started to intertwine quite quite significantly and, and, and in an unexpected way. Mm, wow. And, and I know you've been to, uh, I saw on Twitter, you've been to a conference, I think, called, well, the Twitter, the Twitter hashtag is called NHS Forest. Yes, yes. And, it was wonderful. In your organisation, I know it's very early days, but what, what are the sort of ambitions for, for the work on the green health agenda? Well, the ambitions, I guess, are huge. The mm. vision, um, I guess, is that we create a healthcare environment and um, healthcare services and facilities that are truly supportive of health and well-being and incorporate nature and nature connection right from the heart so that that's that's a huge ambition. So what that means at the moment, just I'll just outline this very briefly. Yes, please. Is that we have an agreement now to from our our executive board to develop a strategic framework for green health. So there's an agreement to incorporate green health principles into our organisational strategy. And people often say to me, "What well, what does green health mean?" And it is really at its at its heart that understanding that we are beings of nature, we have evolved in nature, and that our connection with nature is fundamental to both our physical 
and our mental health and well-being. And because of that, we need to bear that in mind when we're designing buildings, we're designing services, we're thinking about workflow. It becomes a, a core part of how we think about the work that we do. So that strategic framework that we put in place will provide the basis then for other things to happen. But whilst that's in progress, because that's that's a long-term thing, that, that's taken a year to get to that point, so it's going to mm. take for us to get that in place. But we've also set up a greenhouse network for our staff. This is across our whole organization. We have lots of projects going on across different services that incorporate greenhouse principles. So it might be a gardening project on an EMI ward, an elderly mental health ward, or in a community mental health facility, or a frailty ward. There's lots of different projects that go that go on that incorporate gardening, green spaces, activities outside. But what often happens with these projects is that there is someone who's really keen, set something up, it works well for a while, and then it dwindles. It's a bit like a plant that doesn't mm. get well it kind of dies and withers and the greenhouse network is there to link people together so where people do have ideas about projects or are involved in different initiatives they can share their ideas share their progress uh, share the learning and provide some support to hopefully build that sustainability into the project work over time so we've had three network events so far we have one every six months we draw people together we bring in an outside speaker and also have the opportunity for people to talk about projects and share that learning so that's going really well and then the third thing that we're doing because we wanted to start something really practical kind of ground roots so we've set up a group at one of our district general hospital sites. It's at, at Withybush Hospital in Haverford West in Pembrokeshire. And this group has wide representation from staff from across the site and the county, actually. And we have identified different areas on our site that can be developed for the benefit of staff, patients, visitors, and nature. So it's putting everyone on a level playing field, as it were, in terms of who's going to benefit. We've identified one area to start with, which is a particular courtyard garden, and we're trying to progress that uh, with some help from outside partners as well and getting community groups involved with volunteers, helping to clear ground and hopefully do some of the planting. So we're, we've got that grassroots project that hopefully will provide a model then for the other hospital sites to build on. So ideally, we'd have a group on each hospital site that can take these projects forward or coordinate the projects, the network that ties it all together. But underneath all of that, the strategy that has that executive commitment and sign up. Blimey, I thought you said it was early days. This, these, are, <laughs> these are significant achievements here. It's absolutely oh. fascinating to hear you talk about this because I know how difficult it is to get something embedded in a strategy and get that yes. executive approval so takes time doesn't it <laughs> hats off to you but you speak so eloquently and engagingly about this i'm kind of not surprised and then you've got your your network and stuff happening in in, in yes. small ways and i love the way that it's being driven no pun intended from the from the ground up yes yes wow did i see you'd been to Southmead's yes we did bristol yes that, that's an amazing bit of architecture. 
It is. We, we, we were very fortunate to, to be invited to go and have a look around their facilities because they, they've done some amazing work around green health as well. So having the opportunity to visit a site that ha- has been designed and built with those principles in mind. And it's not just about the facilities. It's also about the engagement of staff and the engagement of patients and the engagement of the wider community. So when I was at the NHS conference a, a few weeks back, which was held up at, in Liverpool at Alderhey in the Park Children's Hospital, mm. that's another facility that's been designed with nature in mind as to how how the community and the healthcare facilities and nature are integrated in in a particular facility and, and site. So that was a, a brilliant visit as well. And it's fascinating to hear how you've created this network and already started to realize these these kind of quick wins of areas that perhaps are a bit underutilized or could do with a spruce up. And are, mm-hmm. are people are being engaged to do that. It, it sounds well like one of my current passions for this year. Like it's it's quite a pro-social activity. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Wow. And, and there is so much good work already going on. Um, and it's just trying to highlight that and support that, uh, to nurture it and, and make sure that it, it's more long lasting. But also that people get to learn from the experiences because there's lots that we get wrong. And there's no there's no magic formula that that makes something successful because everything is so context specific as mm. well. It depends on the nature of the facilities, the service, the people, the community, the particular biodiversity needs of the environment, the wider environment as well, because that's really key. It, it really depends on the context. So you can't just apply a formula from one team to another, but there's definitely some learning to share, especially about the journey. Um, I've been very fortunate as well to have conversations with Green Space Scotland and Edinburgh and Lothian NHS Trust. I think I've got that right. Well, it might be Foundation Trust. My apologies. No because problem. they published their greenhouse strategic framework in June this year. And they're very happy and very generous in sharing the, their experience and their journey with us. And that's that's so valuable that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, that we are able to reflect on other colleagues' experiences uh, around the nation. Mm. And it's so so lovely to hear about these connections across the, the whole NHS. I think mm. it's so valuable. You mentioned mm. Theresa Jennings and her team. Yes, yes. And they're big friends of the show, our, yes. <laughs> our friends up north. We were with them a couple of weeks ago, actually. And it's great to hear there's that connection between trusts as well. Even in Southmead Hospital in Bristol, that's a, a purpose-built facility. But we were also in, I'm not sure of the exact title, but the, the hospital in the centre of Bristol. I think it's the University Hospitals Bristol. We were delivering Train the Trainer there earlier this year. And that's more constrained in terms of its green reach, if you like. But when we had lunch, they took us up to the roof terrace. Mm. And that's currently a work in progress, but we could sit outside in the fresh air and enjoy our lunch. Yes, how lovely. And that's something they constructed or bid for little pockets of money for, mm-hmm. and they've just cobbled stuff together, but they've really made a nice space where people can go mm. and take a break. And I think that's that's why it just when you were saying about context, you might not always be able to, to utilize green areas around the hospital, but there'll always be something that you can do to connect, even if it's in a quite a small way, I think. Oh, yes, absolutely. So 
you know, ideally, if you have a healthcare facility that has lots of land, there's loads that you can do. But most NHS organisations are not like that. We we tend not to be like that in West Wales at all. So our Withybush Hospital basically is a building in a large car park. So we, we are very challenged in that way. But it's how we think about either new design or redesign and refurbishment. It's it's about the access to natural light. It's about whether people can see out and what is it they are looking at when they look out of a window. And we also know, for example, that patients um, who can look out of a window. There was a study done done some years back, I think, by someone called Ulrich, patients recovering from uh, gallbladder surgery. They did a, a particular piece of research that showed that recovery was quicker and patients required less medication when they could see a tree uh, from their hospital bed as opposed to looking out at a concrete wall. So it's, it's what, what we can see from from inside the buildings looking out, but also thinking about bringing nature in. Mm. So what I was really interested to see in Alderhey and in Southmead is the bringing of, of live planting into buildings. Because um, sometimes when I've raised this with uh, some of our staff, there's a concern about infection prevention and control and bringing soil in and mm. all of this kind of thing. But actually, it is being done. Um, it is safe. It can be done effectively, and it makes a huge difference. We know, for example, as well, I, but there's a study that shows that if you have a living, healthy green plant within three feet of your workstation, that your well-being will be significantly higher than if you don't. So that simple kind of thing about bringing nature in, um, healthy living nature, uh, mm. not a plastic plant or a dying one, yeah. uh, but it can have these small impacts on well-being. I'm not suggesting in any way that that's the solution to stress at work, but it's about building in these incremental gains and understanding how we are, we have evolved in nature and bringing nature back into our living, working environments uh, really does support our health and well-being. Wow, yes, absolutely. It, it just makes intuitive sense, doesn't it? But quite yeah, often we yeah. come across bureaucracy or barriers that aren't really barriers. And if we've got evidence mm -hmm. to show of the benefits, then then we've got something to build on. And, and yes. for the pea supers, we will we will put some links to to the studies we can find in the in the show notes yes. for this episode. I'm also interested in an organisation called Reconnect. I believe it's reconnectinnature.org.uk. Right, yes. And I'll put a link to this again in the show notes. And my understanding is, Suzanne, that this is separate to your NHS work. It and, is, yes. And you've recently, if I've got this right, become a director of that organization. Yes, I feel really honoured by this, just to have that involvement. I, I've only been involved with Reconnect since the beginning of last year, but Reconnect itself as a community interest company is actually just celebrating its 10-year birthday. Mm -hmm. And they've done some fabulous work over the last 10 years in building this work with communities, especially around mental health recovery. So providing opportunities for people with serious mental health issues to have time in nature, to connect with nature, to connect with each other, to connect with activity, to connect uh, with themselves and also with a sense of hope uh, for the future and their own potential. So those are the five principles of, of Reconnect. Um, but they've, they've done some fabulous work and I actually became involved with them 
the beginning of last year when they ran the first Nature Connection and Wellbeing Leader training course. And I was very lucky, fortunate to get a place on that first course. And I spent a day a week in the woods uh, with this fabulous group of people learning about nature connection and well-being and how to facilitate this kind of group process. And I have to say, because of the time of year that it started, it was freezing. <laughs> I, I have never been so cold in all my life, sitting there in the woods in March last year. We had that really cold snap, actually, when it was snowy and icy and mm. nearly zero temperatures. Um, and I wasn't used to being still in the woods either. I, I'm, I, because of my running, I'm, I'm used to moving through the landscape. And there's a particular joy that I get from moving through the landscape and experiencing it at that kind of tempo. But the, this connection leader course that I did made me slow down and, and sit still and connect with nature in a slightly different way and at a deeper level. And I'm truly grateful for the opportunity that Reconnect have given me to to develop this part of my work and, and also for my own personal growth and healing. It, it sounds phenomenal. And I love the, the contrast you you illustrate with, between you running through a, a forest or nature and then the difference with just being still in nature. Mm -hmm. sounds, yes. sounds just really powerful is the only word I can grasp at. But, but yeah. Yes. Wow. Quite challenging in some ways. I mean, with, with my running in nature, I often laugh and say that my running name is Susie Stop a Lot because I, <laughs> I get so distracted by things, by wildflowers or fungi or birds. And I take a lot of pictures when I'm out running as well because I, I love doing that. So I do tend to stop a lot when I'm running. I'm not just charging through uh, woodland paths. But there, there is something really special about being still in nature and getting that slow pace where you take time to be fully present with yourself in the environment and that can be very challenging it can be quite uncomfortable in some ways because of the weather so we're out in all weathers mm. unless there's really high winds then it's not a good time to be in the woods but it, it can be really challenging but there's something there that links very much back to to act isn't there it's about being there with those experiences and still choosing to connect with what's important and reflect on that connection. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Thank you for that. I think you've mentioned to me that you're, as part of your work with Reconnect, you're looking at a weekend immersion experience for yes. the doctors. Yes, really excited about this. Um, wanting to take the work forward and share it with, with other people and, and with colleagues as well from an NHS environment, because as, as you'll know, uh, you know, stress at work for NHS staff is is real issue. And we know that burnout for our medical colleagues is, is quite significant. But for healthcare professionals in general, there seems to be some particular obstacles around the practice of self-care. And that's been one of my missions within my role in the NHS is to how to help um, healthcare workers get a lot better at looking at after themselves, as well as us attending to the conditions at work that are needed to promote resilience and well-being. But thinking about my work in nature and connection with nature is is how to bring my two fields of work together really so thinking about healthcare colleagues and thinking about nature and really overlapping the two so providing an opportunity for uh, doctors as a start to spend a long weekend fully immersed in nature and using that as a way of of recharging gaining that recovery that recuperation to mm. enable them to build their resilience, but also hopefully to 
develop some perspectives or tools that they can then take back because it's not just about having some respite it's about having a different perspective and tools that you can take back into work mm. and weave into your working life in a way that benefits your well-being you're just making me really reflect here it feels like when did it become not just a normal yes. thing to do to go out into nature mm -hmm. when did we become so immersed in our careers that mm -hmm. we just lie exhausted on the sofa at home yes. and think, oh shall i go for yeah. a walk nah Yes, yes. And there's something it, about reconnecting with the potential benefits of that. Mm. Gosh. So we, our lives these days, in a way, have become boxed. You know, we, we live in little houses. We we wake up in the morning and we, we do our stuff in the house and then we get in a car or onto a bus, which is another box, and we go off to work and we work in another box and then we get back into our mobile box to go back home mm. to our box. And, and as you say, we've lost that connection with the landscape and, and one of the the theories that i've been looking at is the is that of biophilia which has been around since the 1980s mm. just really this connection that we have as a species because we evolved in nature that we are deeply connected with the natural environment and that that deep affiliation is actually really essential for our health and well-being. Uh, so thinking about how can we build that into or rebuild that into our lives and how can we reintroduce our healthcare workers to that in a way that is doable, it needs to be realistic, it needs to be achievable, uh, no matter what context you're working in. Gosh, my mind's buzzing about things in my life where I, like last weekend, we went for a walk just to meet some friends with our dog and their dog and it was just a walk across a park it wasn't deep nature but it was such a lovely experience to feel the the cool air mm. um, walking through the leaves and the trees and seeing the dogs enjoy that space as well they're much better at connecting with nature than me <laughs> yeah so that it's really interesting to, to hear you say that because it sounds like you were noticing nature. Mm. So you were noticing how the dogs were behaving. You were noticing how the air felt on your skin. You were noticing different elements of nature, whether it was the leaves or the trees. And, and that's a key part of nature connection. The first, the first step really is is to get out there in the way that you can and and to what's available to you. And then once you're out there to, to start to notice, becoming present in yourself, being aware of your body, aware of your breathing, that can help just to ground us because we tend to live at such a fast pace and really tied up in, in our head. So it's coming out of that thinking mode into that sensing mode, being grounded in your body and starting to notice what's going on around you in nature and then starting to look for what you appreciate. So there's some research that suggests that when we focus on nature and notice what is beautiful to us, that that has a, an enhancing impact on our, on our well-being. Mm -hmm. So noticing whether it's colors, textures, shapes, movement, sound, smells or the feel on your skin, patterns that you see in nature so noticing fractals as well can be a lovely thing to to do but it's the noticing that is really key and it sounds like you were doing quite a bit of that when you went mm. for the walk yeah it's amazing isn't it and for two days this week i was in quite a splendid i don't know what you'd call it kind of a country estate Ooh. and with with some leaders and we had two days together and i was co-facilitating but the environment we were in was, was a beautiful piece of architecture. 
but the, the, the surrounding trees and grass and animals, it really puts a different context and a different mindset on, mm-hmm. on the people who were there. And it kind of, I think it, it slows us down a bit. Yes, I think you're right. I, I think it does. And, and also if we can consciously slow down even further, the benefits are even greater. Uh, we get benefits from slowing down generally, don't we? Because as you've mm. said, we do lead such a fast-paced life. But to truly appreciate nature, being present and slowing down is, is, is really important that we can do that. And that's not easy for a lot of people. So when we do nature connection work with groups, that's often the first well, the first challenge is, 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 for some people, might be just getting outdoors. But once they are outdoors, is, is, is that slowing down? So often our nature connection experiences, the first part of that process is, is helping people, encouraging and supporting people to slow down and be more present. Mm. And then the opening out and noticing through the senses and connecting to, to what's going on around them. I'm just thinking this isn't a great investment of, of money Or it doesn't have to be a great investment of time either. I guess any connection can be, like you're talking about those incremental steps. Mm -hmm. And you don't need lots of gear. And kind of nature's already there. It's just waiting for us. But we've been ignoring it because we've been whizzing around between various hermetically sealed boxes. Mm, That's right, yes. And not noticing it. And it's very patiently waiting for us. There has been um, a recent study looking at how much time in nature is needed to to get the benefit so kind of it's that magical mm. therapeutic therapeutic dose you know what's the dose of nature we need in order to to find some kind of benefits um, and this particular study concluded that two hours a week was kind of the a good therapeutic dose but that mm. didn't need to be two hours in one go mm. it could be in smaller bits throughout the week but i think it's the quality of that time that that's really important because I have at times gone for a walk or a run through the woods, for example, and not been there at all because I've been so tied up in my head with work problems or family issues. Um, and I think I get much less benefit. I still get some benefit from being outdoors and mm. from moving. There's no doubt about that. And there's also the impact of uh, the fight on site. So these natural chemicals that are produced by the trees, by the natural environment, uh, they have a, a positive beneficial effect on our physiology. And that's the basis for a lot of this work around Shinrin-yoku that's going on in Japan and also in Korea. Um, so we get that anyway, whether we are aware of it or are intending mm. uh, to to have that or focus on that but certainly being out there and then intentionally being present and slowing down uh, the quality of that time um, we can make the most of five minutes we can get a lot out of that by going deep and and really being present uh, for a few moments Mm. thank you so much this is such a rich conversation hearing you talk about this and it's it's firing off lots for me so hopefully for our supers it will be making them reflect and think too now Suzanne reconnect is that uh, a local organization tell me a bit more about it it's its scope reconnecting nature is it's a community interest company and it is local we're, we're based in West Wales it's very small at the moment it's been around for 10 years mm. 
um, we do have plans for how we can develop the the activities of the organization going forward. And the, these nature immersion weekends for healthcare professionals are part of that development work. But we're also looking at a year-long project where people would be able to come for either 12 weeks or continue for a longer period of time, potentially up to a year. So attending a supportive group in nature for up to a year um, in duration. And that's focused more on mental health recovery again. So building on on the past work of reconnecting nature, but extending it out over a longer period of time. So that's another one of the developments that we're looking at. Great stuff. I'm mind completely blown here. It's it's <laughs> phenomenal to hear what Reconnect are doing and your role and your, your drive in making this happen. It, it takes some tenacity to to achieve these things but I can feel the importance of this to you and the, the purpose it has for you yes I mean I, I, I am so deeply grateful for for this part of my life that has kind of opened up in the last two years I have met the most amazing people I mean I, I've met amazing people throughout my life but meeting people who have such skills and knowledge and experience in this area has been incredible. And, and I'm really grateful for the generosity of people as well in, in being so willing to share their knowledge and their skills. It's been a true blessing for me. Well, on behalf of the P-Supers, we feel, or yes, we feel truly blessed to hear you talk about this. And we're grateful for you, for you taking the time to share this with us. And hopefully we can reach a bit of a wider audience too. Thank you, Ross. Now, you kindly gave us, Suzanne, another takeaway, and I wonder if you'd share that with us. Of course, yes. Very happy to do that. So this second takeaway is an invitation to make time for yourself every week to get outside into nature. Now, that may be into the garden. It might be to a park, a country lane. It might be on the beach, in the woods. It doesn't really matter where it is as long as it's somewhere that's accessible and it's and it suits you see if you can build up the time that you spend in nature every week i mentioned earlier about this two hours per week that can be really good for our health and well-being but building up to that taking those small steps in that direction and building your relationship with nature in your own unique way whatever that might mean and wherever you might be focusing on the nature that's around you what you appreciate about it and having that curiosity to explore uh, that might be exploring by walking it might be exploring by looking and noticing in a different way mm. and then the other part of this because I think a lot of what I've, I've spoken about is how nature can benefit us and it's good for our well-being but there's another side to this equation that is equally important and this is about what we can do for nature it's about the other the other side it's about our interconnectedness with and interdependence with nature and the fact that nature really needs us our environment really needs us so it's this two-way relationship and thinking about as well as you getting out into nature every week starting to use that time maybe to reflect as well on what you can do for nature so developing what we call these pro-environmental behaviors that might be about recycling it might be about uh, choices that you make in the outside areas that you have at home uh, it could be anything really it might be picking up litter it might be um, objecting if uh, an area of greenery is planned to be destroyed in your local community. It's just thinking about anything within your locality where you can do something for nature. It might be putting up a bird box, a bat box. 
It might be building a bug hotel. It might be, well, there's all kinds of things. It depends on on you. So it's, it's building this unique relationship between you and nature and seeing it as a two-way relationships are two-way aren't they Mm -hmm. so it's this this two-way process of giving and receiving so thinking not only about how nature can support you but what can we do for nature and i I love that quality of reciprocity yes you recommend and we bring to that and you're making me think now gosh in in the building where we live it's a flat within a large building Mm. but there is a communal garden which I probably go into twice a year and it's a beautiful little space it's got trees it's got nice planting yes and there's there's a park just over the road which has planting that I do always really notice because it's beautiful it's Mm. it's kind of not your natural kind of council planting it's more wild with thistles and long grasses and things like that and I do love walking down that avenue in different seasons, but I'm going to walk down it again, maybe a bit slower. I love the idea oh. of, I want to take a leaf out of your book and be <laughs> Susie Stoppelot. Yes. I like the idea of not being in a rush as we go mm. through nature as well. Mm. Gosh, you've given us so much to think about. That, that is phenomenal. I'm so delighted you could join us on the podcast. The richness with what you've shared is phenomenal. and. Can I thank you for all the work you do and thank you for bringing it to People Soup as well. Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute delight and I'm very grateful for this opportunity. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, Suzanne, thank you so much. Peace Soupers, that's it. Part two in the bag. I'd just like to say thanks again to Suzanne for her passion, energy and willingness to share. She certainly brought to life the green health agenda for me. If you like this episode of the podcast, could I invite you to share it with one other person? I'm really keen to spread the behavioural science and skills with more people. Of course, a subscription, rating or review are also very much appreciated. The show notes are at rossmackintosh.co.uk and this includes links to a few different platforms as well. You can find even more links if you search for PeopleSoup on Linktree. To get in touch with us and give us your feedback or ask questions, you can get in touch at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we are at peoplesouppod. On Instagram, at people.soup. And on Facebook, we are at peoplesouppod. Thanks to Andy Glenn, as ever, for his spoon magic. And to you for listening. Have a great week, peace soupers, and bye for now. I wish you well and, and oh, your, yes. the rest of your day. Yes, thank you. I'll be going out to the woods with my dog, Bob. (laughs) I I had to put him outside for for this because whenever he hears me talking, when I'm using Skype, he starts playing and making a lot of noise. Um, He gets really excited for some reason.